Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In September 2020, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is supporting The Roots of Music. The Roots of Music empowers the youth of New Orleans through music education, academic support, and mentorship, while preserving and promoting the unique musical and cultural heritage of the city. This month, we're donating 10% of Mastis Revenue to The Roots of Music. For more about what they do and how you can help, check them out at therootsofmusic.org. If you'd like to participate in our sponsorship of music-related organizations, become a Mastis patron at patreon.com slash Mastis. Thanks for listening. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. They talk, talk, talk about, talk about songs. Mmm, gotta love those soothing sounds of Mark and Sarah talking about songs. Coming to you on your late night drive, I'm your co-host, Mark Blankenship, and with me as ever is the siren of romance and the healer of broken hearts, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Welcome to (laughs) WMST Moist FM, where we play the moistest hits. Um, Keeping it moist since 1974. (laughs) Now, Sarah... Episode 201 is a song that you chose today, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, and I know I am because we talked about it not five seconds ago off mic. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. Um, thank you, by the way, for making my um, fantasy radio station a year younger than I am. Very flattering. Um, we are talking today about Belinda Carlisle's Heaven is a Place on Earth. I frankly don't remember exactly how we arrived at this selection, but the moment we arrived together, hand in hand, uh, at it, um, it felt utterly right. So um, I am actually a little shocked that we've never really dug into the Belindaverse mm. before. <laughs> uh, we were going to talk about the Go-Go's documentary on a single at some point. I feel like she has come up repeatedly on uh, our Patreon happy hours, which once again, if you want to join those, we do them almost every Thursday. We would love to have you. Patreon.com slash Bastass. Join us. But join us now, everyone, won't you, for a clip. And then we are going to talk about Belinda. We're going to talk about the Go-Go's. We're going to talk about 80s signifiers. We're probably going to talk about Dick because that's what we do. But first. Can't help it. Yeah, talk about heaven is a place on earth. Hi oh, here's a clip. Well, I don't know who exactly made Heaven a Place on Earth, but I'll tell you who made those uh, ghostly backup strains so wonderful. Among others, 
Michelle Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas, and Diane Warren. I mean, uh, patron saint of the key change and a mama and or papa. What yeah. more can you ask for? Yeah. And then I think the other songwriters are also singing back up for reasons that I find I find that just really delightful. Like, you know what? They know how they think it's supposed to sound. Throw them in there. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, I actually realized like two bars in while I was prepping this that I thought I wanted to talk about Mad About You, but I um, didn't really have anything to say about that um, because it's a good song, but I don't know if it's like a like a song with much conversation in it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like two bars into this and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I have that much to say about this either, but for entirely different reasons involving it being one of those um, like egg-like songs that is like perfectly self-contained and itself and wonderful. Um, but I always think that, and then we get to talking about whatever it is and I'm always wrong. So what <laughs> appeals about this to you, not just as a song, but like over and above Belinda Carlisle's other output, like for instance, Circle in the Sand, which I'm the only one who likes that song. No, wait, I like Circle in the Sand. And oh, it was, you're the other one. Yeah. And, and also, it was I guess she likes it okay. Circle, probably, because and somebody liked it, because it got to number seven. Um, But Ellen Shipley, who co-wrote uh, Heaven is a Place on Earth with Rick Knowles, also co-wrote Circle in the Sand. So, hey, girl. Also, before we go another step forward, I just have to drop some chart facts on you, So then, because then we can get into my... Honestly, honestly, rather dense thesis about this song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Rick Knowles, who co-wrote this song with Ellen Shipley, also went on to write The Power of Goodbye with Madonna. Okay. He co-wrote White Flag with Dido, and he wow. co-wrote Summertime Sadness with Lana Del Rey. Damn. So if you're looking for like... That is some breadth. That's like the share of songwriting. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like if you're looking for basically every type of pop diva song from the 80s to like four years ago, Rick Knowles is your boy. Wow. So there's that. And I just feel like, oh, also he wrote a song on the Ray of Light album called Little Star, which is one of my favorite Madonna album tracks. So, you know, thumbs up, Rick. And uh, it's also worth noting that the Go-Go's reached number two on the Hot 100 with We Got the Beat, and uh, that was a pretty big deal at the time because they were the very first female, all-female band in which the women also played their instruments to really break through, and they also had the first uh, number one album by an all-female band, and they had a number two single, but... Heaven is a Place on Earth in 1987 by Belinda Carlisle Solo made it to number one. So this is the biggest hit ever created by any go-go. So just worth noting. If you're not counting the movie Clue, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I am your singing telegram. Bang! I, I feel like we've talked about this before. Maybe it was just in Happy Hour, but... When I was a kid, I was watching this movie in the basement of my babysitter Martha's house... And the scene where Jane Weedland as the singing telegram girl gets shot after singing one line of her singing telegram made me laugh 
so hard i can remember rolling on the floor not in that text message way where you just suggest that you're rolling on the floor i actually rolled on the floor laughing at that moment <laughs> i like that movie i don't i don't know if i understand why people are like obsessed with it because i watched it too late in my life but it, it's definitely it's definitely one of those movies that you're like yeah i i see you movie it's good. i uh I went to see Clue in the movie theater. I remember so clearly seeing it in the movie theater because I was just old enough at that point. I was six in the fall of 85. So I was just old enough to get to go to the movies um, with my parents. And I could actually stay awake through the whole movie because I remember that when my parents took me the previous year to see Ghostbusters and it started at seven, they were like, you're never going to make it through this whole movie. And I was like, yes, I am. And then I promptly fell asleep. And uh, missed like the last hour of Ghostbusters. Anyway, but I saw all of Clue and I remember seeing all three endings at the same time in the movie theater and it was awesome. Anyway, <laughs> all of this is to say, Belinda Carlisle. I tweeted recently uh, on my personal Twitter account uh, that I think this song is perfect. And I do not say that lightly because this song is now, as we're recording this, 33 years old and it brings me the same rush of joy that I felt the first time I heard it. I have some reasons that I think this song is perfect. And if I may, I'd like to enumerate them for you. No. Okay. Bark and Sarah. Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. One thing is... Shut up, (laughs) Anne. You actually already mentioned one of the reasons I think this song is so wonderful, which is all of those backing vocalists. And there's that feeling of... a chorus of joy that is just coming at you and the fact that they are singing sort of girl group style backing vocals heaven like there's just you just there's something about the quality of the way that they recorded those backing vocals that make them feel very present they don't feel like they've been mixed down it feels like you're in the room with those people and it just you can hear the smile in their voices as they hit these soaring, rising chord uh, notes, and I just love it so much. And, and the I, lyrics are also very kind of girl groupy. Yes, yes, that's the next point. And I yet, agree. Yeah, it's this combination of sort of early '60s and mid to late '80s that really works. And I think that's the other thing that makes this song so special, because really listening to it again for this episode, I was struck by the new wave sounding guitar that comes in in the pre-chorus that just, I don't know, I can't make that sound for you with my voice alone, but it's like, like, there's just this new wave jangly guitar that is in the song. And that indicates that the song could not have been made when the girl group sound was popular. And the fusion of those two sounds, it's like the brightest, happiest sounds of the eighties. And the brightest, happiest sounds of the 60s are being fused together. And then the lyrics, which I read, had to be rewritten multiple times, are so simple, but they're so joyous. And I think that the work that they put into making the lyrics just make you feel happy. Like, the, the, the simple joy of loving someone is not very easy to capture in words. But I would say that the following lines do it quite well. 
When I feel alone, I reach for you and you bring me home. When I'm lost at sea, I hear your voice and it carries me. In this world, we're just beginning to understand the miracle of living. Baby, I was afraid before, but I'm not afraid anymore. Like, that's so fun. Who doesn't want to feel that way? And when you combine that with those two musical languages of happiness and the communal joy of those backing vocals, and not for nothing, the accessible joy that Belinda Carlisle is clearly feeling. And I mean accessible because she's a good singer, but she's not a, um, she's not like a virtuosic singer. She's a good singer who you can sing along with. Like this vocal is actually not like a great vocal. It's not a not great vocal, if that makes any sense, but it's not like a, you know, legendary vocal, but it's a fully felt vocal. Yes, that's exactly right. Which is what is wanted. And I think that because she sings it in a way that makes me feel like I can sing it too, that we all feel we can probably sing this with her, it makes the joy our joy as well. So I just think all of those things together make this a perfect song that I will never be tired of hearing. Uh, I think it also, well, I have two more um, uh, assertions to make. One is that this I feel like this shows up on soundtracks all the time as this um, shorthand to locate you in time in 1987. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, it's not always used for that, but it often is, like Romy and Michelle's. And yes. I just feel like, I mean, first of all, that soundtrack is fucking brilliant, but the the way it's used, like, first of all, the title is like such a, you know, there's so much indication there and the Mm -hmm. lyrics, there's so much indication there, but it's like, it is this very, um, of its time sounding moment. Um, and it's immediately recognizable from the opening chords. And so I think it's very useful and yet it doesn't tend to get overused right? in, in the way that some other, 80s tracks are and i i wonder like some of that is probably just like logistical expense based you know like oh well we would use madonna but we can't afford it but i think there it operates on some subconscious level very effectively in a way that uh other similar songs don't in that you don't get tired of it even though like even though it's a little bit of a lazy shorthand you don't sort of resent being manipulated by it i don't know if that makes any sense i think you've actually hit on something ineffable but true because walking on sunshine is also a great song but it gets mm. overused it yes. is clearly it is cheaper to pay for walking on sunshine than it is to pay for other songs because i feel like i hear that song all the fucking time it is a great song but you're right that heaven is a place on earth is in that sweet spot where it's gone just long enough to make you realize you've missed it when it comes back. Yeah, I think that's right on. The other thing I will say is that I think the um, sustained, um, not popularity necessarily, but one of the reasons that we still know and think and talk about this song was the video, which is iconic. But I would argue that the video actually um, is like less than the sum of the parts with the song. Like it's an extremely memorable video and it's not that it doesn't go, 
but I I think the song is actually like once you untie it from the visual, it makes the song better to not look at the visual. I don't know if I'm articulating that well. You are 100% correct, even though it was directed by Academy Award winner Diane Keaton. Yeah, and it's listed on the IMDb as such. Like, I guess they're doing that now. Cool. (laughs) I actually hate... Okay, sidebar. I hate so fucking much that IMDb now puts music videos in people's filmographies because... If, for instance, I want to look at Madonna's film history, just so I can think about or reference something in the work that she's done as an actress, it clutters up the narrative to see all of her fucking music videos on there. Like, I get it. If you're going to include music videos, I can't stop you. But could you maybe put them in a separate section? Like, can It's uh, even uh, more annoying on the iPhone app. For God, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, Which is just annoying instance, anyway. Get your shit together, IMDb. Okay, thanks, bye. What if you wanted to be like, hmm, did Mariah Carey make any movies after she was in Precious, when she was surprisingly good? Well, you would have a hard fucking time figuring that out because there's like 45 music videos on there, and it's like, d- d- okay, uh, enough. I will send an angry tweet to IMDb later, I promise. <laughs> What were we even talking? Oh, the music video. Yeah, yeah, I would say that the music video is actually a butt. <laughs> it looks like it cost about $30. Like they had some sort of Dollar Tree special on plastic earth beach balls that you could then put a tea light in. And you've got some kids in some cheap ass leftover from the private eyes music video trench coats just <laughs> waving the globes around with the tea lights inside. And it's just a butt. And also, I mean, uh, look, <laughs> I, <laughs> I would just like to say that in my notes while watching the video, I have the phrase, why is Belinda wearing granny's shawl? <laughs> so the thing is, I really don't get the sense and this is fine, but I really don't get the sense that Belinda Carlisle has a sense of humor <laughs> at all. And you know, I think that some, I mean, look, this is um, as song craft and assembly, it is art, but I would not say that Belinda Carlisle is an artist. I think she is an interpreter and vocalist and chooses wisely things that she wants to put her name on and the fact that she did that like chanteuse album of french <laughs> oh, standards is yeah. like sure why not uh, say la vie en rose belinda go for it i mean yeah but the, i definitely get the sense that she's like you know what i'm gonna do and then her agent is like blink so i'd like to reflect back to you that what i hear you saying is that you're going to appropriate franche culture away <laughs> and belinda's like blank and her agent's like fine i'll try to fucking sell it <laughs> um, but i i feel like the video perhaps was this idea and that i mean bless and keep diane keaton but i don't feel like she has a real sense of humor either or necessarily much perspective in what is basic and it's just super basic and it is yeah I don't feel like suggesting this to belinda slash diane would have met with anything but just like well this is what we're doing because and 
imagery yeah. and it's like well we get it but like a metaphor is like what about the four parts like you're, it has to stand for something this is just saying the thing anyway. um, also she's cavorting with her husband in the video and i think that's just always kind of a basic move as well and god yeah. love pink, god love pink who I know we've talked about on the show before and that I like much more than you, but she's always in her music videos with her husband. And I'm like, girl, ugh. so I also yeah, just like want to say not everyone needs to be included. It's like when Wolfgang Van Halen was on tour with them and it's like, you know, that's, fi- I mean, that's fine. And he can actually play and his name is Wolfgang Van Halen. And you kind of have to go on tour with that in some capacity. Cause it's fucking cool, but it's like, but, you know, I actually think there's something different about putting your kids in the video. And this goes back to something that we didn't mention in the share episode, but that, some of, our lis- yeah. but that some of our listeners reminded us of, to talk about, which is that Cher's son, uh, teenage son, young teenage son at the time, is in the If I Could Turn Back Time video playing guitar while she yeah. hip bumps him on that naval ship. I just but, don't. But that's cool to me. I, I think that's cool. I, I mean... I just don't, I know that famous people are different and I'm not trying to question Cher's parenting, but, and I'm super waspy and weird about this stuff. I just feel like if Barb were wearing like, you know, shiny (laughs) tape and a silvery belt and boots and that's it. And a aircraft carrier full of able-bodied seamen was leering at her while she was belting out a song that I would rather just not be, I would just rather not be taken to work that day. (laughs) I, meanwhile, I feel like if I had been 12 years old and my mother had been like, Hey, do you want to put on sunglasses and pretend to shred on a Naval destroyer? Was he actually shredding though? Because isn't that her kid with Greg Allman? Yeah. Okay. So maybe genetically he is capable of shredding, but it's like, uh, but anyway, I just feel like I would have left I it the chance to. I just feel like if your mom's work involves showing literally her entire ass, and that's not a metaphor either. But I mean, I'm uptight and weird that way. AMA. <laughs> I'm just saying that when I was in eighth grade, my mom got a national teaching award that included a private concert by Michael Jackson. And uh, at the time, I was so jealous. So if my mom even had, even if my mom had put on that duct tape outfit, I think I still would have been like, yes, I'll be in your music video. But again, I never had it. My mother's not actually famous. I mean, she's sort of like locally famous for a variety of reasons in Chattanooga, but she's not. Well, now she's famous because of this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, point is, I, I um, would have probably done it. But I want to make sure that we go back to the styling in this video because the shawl and the bangs read to me as spinster librarian and I just think it's fascinating that a chart-topping pop star looked like that, and we were all fine with it. It's a, It was a different world. I mean, I always sort of thought that she was trying to suggest her future self and that they were growing old together. Am I way off base? <laughs> you look dowdy. What's the meaning? <laughs> also, I mean, Diane Keaton directed it. Like, Yeah. She does have a certain style, and it's maybe not the most overtly sexy. So That's fair. That's fair. But I, I also think you're probably right that Belinda Carlisle, this, 
I don't mean this as an insult, but I think that she's just, she's talented enough and she just found her way in front of the mic for a really great collection of songs that she did not write. But you know what? Okay. She showed up. She did the job. And now she's the one who gave us I Get Weak and Circle in the Sand and Mad About You and this. And I would also say her underappreciated third album, which includes songs like um, Leave a Light On For Me and We Want the Same Thing. So Belinda- And she was a drummer for the germs. Like, I'm yeah. not I'm not trying to be like, oh, she's just like a, you know, cute, apple-cheeked, whatever, who has no opinions. And if she does, they're basic like she's yeah she's not a mannequin who like or or like a doll with a string in her back that you pull and then she sings a pop song yeah like she is a craftsperson of pop music and has put the time in and knows how to play instruments and like i'm again like you not not trying to slag her but there were like there are choices made in her work that suggest to me like this is a person who like she's very sincere and she's very interested to get the sound and the feeling right. But then like interpreting it or being more elliptical or suggestive about it is not what she does. And that's fine. That, and that is fine. I think that she also as a go-go was definitely making blunt, direct statements. They were not, and they were not an allusive band. No. I mean, we got the beat. What is that about? I don't get it. (laughs) Do you mean the beat generation? Like, no, it starts with drums. Like, everything is right there on the tin and inside. It's all the same. Like, vacation, all I ever wanted. Hmm. Okay. I got to get away. And, you know, they acknowledge so frequently in interviews that they didn't even know what they were doing when they became a band at first. They were just like, I guess we should eventually learn how to play these instruments. So there is something to be said for people who have put the work in and have just learned to do the job of being a rock and pop star and they show up and they have other people write the songs because that's their job. And then Belinda's job is to sing the song and to sing it well enough with enough vivacity and spirit. And like not every single pop star has to have that supernova quality like Prince or Madonna or Lady Gaga or whatever, where you're like, oh my God, the experience of this person. That's It's not necessary. Sometimes you can be yeah. Selena Gomez, where you're yeah. just like, you know what? You are serving your function perfectly in this moment. There's a... I wonder if this works. Maybe it's just because I just saw him tweet about Jackie Robinson Day, which was rescheduled during the baseball season to today. Uh, Curtis Granderson, who has played for just about every team, but played for both the Yankees and the Mets. And for a while, like before all of that, when he was with the Tigers, he was like this rising star. And like he was always like pretty good. Um and he had charisma for days and he won the um he won the Roberto Clemente award which is basically like um baseball's best person who does the mm. most for the world over the Mr. course Con- of the season Mr. Congeniality or whatever Yeah but he only just retired he's um uh, I'm going to say 40 or 41 now but at the end of his career he's playing for just these dreadful hopeless teams but he would draw a walk and he would dash to first base 
every single time. Like he was there to do his job and like at his best, he was like a 91 at my school. Okay. It, like <laughs> straight ahead, a minus 94 um, at my school. <laughs> and he just like, he enjoyed playing the game and he did every aspect of it as much as it could be done by him. And then when it was like, I can't do this anymore because I'm becoming a middle-aged man, he retired. And now he runs a foundation and still is has like one of the most beautiful smiles in the world. But I think Belinda Carlisle's kind of that. Like, is she hilarious? No. Is she the writing like deep layered text uh, the way Phoebe Bridgers does? No, she's not really doing that. Um, is she the Babe Ruth of what she does? No, but like, there's only one Babe Ruth. You need Curtis Granderson's too. And Curtis Granderson has brought a lot of joy to the world and to baseball and to me personally. And so is Belinda. So if they don't do everything, that's not required. I think that is perfectly said. And also to just extend that metaphor a bit further, even being a, mediocre baseball player requires an enormous amount of skill in the major leagues. And even being a very, um, being an extremely adequate pop star actually (laughs) requires a lot of skill. Extremely adequate. Perfect. (laughs) But you know, like if being extremely adequate at the level of Belinda Carlisle's career still means that you've got a lot going on because it's just really fucking hard to make it to the major leagues of anything. Yeah. And, and then uh, to stay there. And then if you decide you want to play in the French leagues for a while, it's like, you know exactly. what? Go ahead. Ooh la la. <laughs> and I would also add, to, to oh, just circle oh, back oh. to the to the sing-along ability, to coin an awkward phrase, of Heaven is a Place on Earth, I think that there are certain songs whose impact would be lessened if they were performed by people who were more supernova in their talent. Yeah. Sometimes a song works because the person can just get in and get out and not get in the way. And yeah. the, cra- the craft of Heaven is a Place on Earth is so much more enjoyable because Belinda Carlisle is not doing all of these melismatic things on top of it or these giant, uh, you know, like these giant runs or these weird interpretive moments. Like she just gets in and gets out and lets us enjoy the moment of the song. She is the steward of an exceptionally written pop song. And Look, not that my queen and yours, Miss Franklin, didn't write some write and sing some sing alongable stuff, but like she's Aretha and you're not, and there is no yeah. universe in which you can put that fact aside unless you are Adele. So having someone like Belinda Carlisle, who is extremely adequate, be like, come with me on this pop song journey versus let me sort of irradiate you with the power of my voice does make a difference. I think you're absolutely right. And there is a time We have and given a place her so many all. backhanded compliments. It's really bad. Sorry. Girl. I know. It makes it sound like that we're actually hating on Belinda, but I yeah. think it's in fact I feel like ultimately we are praising her for being precisely who she is and for yeah. having a, a a large handful of memorable hits that shine a bright light on the benefits of being exactly who she is. Yeah. But, you know, just so just so it's clear, like, we adore this song and we're just trying to unpack, like, all the reasons that that's 
true and not just be like, well, I've never heard that she smells like toes. Like, <laughs> I, I have not, in fact, heard that. And that is a good thing, I think, unless you're into toe smelling. I, I lost the handle on that. But I think you're right. It's just it, 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 in case you're joining us for the first time here on the Master's Journey, I think that's important to say. It's I really like I have a minimum of 11, possibly more, Go-Go's and Belinda Carlisle songs in my music library right now. And I really like them all. I and own the French album. I'm not here to talk shit, oh, except shit. when I am. Oh, shit. Ooh, la, la, indeed. Um, so, exactly. We can... We're just trying to unpack why we like these things that we like, because we know that we like them for different reasons than we like, say, Dolly Parton ripping our hearts out. <laughs> Thank God. You know what? You have now made heaven a place in this uh, stereotypical Italian restaurant. Yeah. I mean, heaven is a place on earth, and it's on the uh, Champs-Élysées. En français, class. (laughs) (laughs) Is that Jacques Brel or Belinda Carlyle? (laughs) It's pronounced Carlyle. You will spoil it. (laughs) Ooh, Belinda. She's right over there. (laughs) Ooh, Belinda. Ooh, hey, Belinda. No, no, seriously, though. She's just, just right what over happens there. when you have a 24-ounce coffee before you start recording. Hello! <laughs> I think you mean bonjour. Life tears, money screams, love aches, art fails, but I don't want you to see me this way. They lied, I died. You found what I could be No, I don't want you to see me this way Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com Tweet us at TalkSongs or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. To become a supporter and producer of the podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash And as always, thank you for listening. All alone, some forgot you could maybe. I cannot know, I don't want you to see me this way. about songs they talk 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 about talk about songs thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube